What up, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Laud Times podcast. Your host here, Arnoldo Lozano, once again on the Laud Times. Today, I have a special guest all the way from Toronto, Canada, uh, Mr. Horacio Najera. How are you doing today, mister? Good, good. Thank you for the invitation. It's it's a privilege to be here. Absolutely. I'm glad uh, we finally set this up. And yeah. uh, looking forward to hear your experience and share your story as a fan of Tigres, which, you know, obviously has a lot of roots because you're related to Mr. Dennis Gartman, who we had on the pod yeah. and who also has done, you know, a lot of episodes with us uh, to talk about Tigres. And, you know, he mentioned that you're part of the reason why he's a fan and he obviously shares that same passion with you. So I'm excited yeah. to get to hear your story. And uh, so why don't you start us there? Tell us a little bit about yourself and, you uh, how you started to become a fan of Tigres? Well, um, well, as you can see, I'm I'm old, uh, and uh, it, it it you know what is funny, um, I was uh, today while you know trying to kind of make some mental notes for this interview, I was uh, I was remembering that uh, my first contact with football or soccer, uh, it was when I was a kid and. Uh, in the old days, when you have like four TV channels, so I remember that the teams that I remember in those days were uh, basically America, Chivas, and Tigres, and uh, Pumas, I'm sorry, Pumas, Pumas, America, and Chivas, because there were, you know, the well, of course, there was Cruz Azul, but I really didn't put a lot of attention on that. Um, then uh, I started to kind of, Pivoting into Pumas because those days were kind of the Hugo Sanchez and a little bit of Cabinho and you know was kind of the hype of especially of Hugo Sanchez. But it's interesting because since we are from northern Mexico, I never felt connected with those teams because those teams were from you know Mexico City. So. I watch a little bit of soccer and I remember, you know, all the hype, the Mexico 86, Mundial, you know, all the stuff. Um, but then I moved, I, I went to, uh, to Monterey for studies. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an alumni of the La Universidad Autónoma de Nuevo León. Uh, I am a, my undergrad in, is in journalism. And uh, I guess having a team representing your school is, is when, things started to take shape. Uh, I started my career in sports, writing sports, not soccer, because I'm, I'm, I was kind of away from soccer. My, my, really, my passion is basketball and then baseball. Uh, so, but, but then, you know, you start to get into the, the environment of Monterrey. You know, you started to get into the, 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 the rivalry between Rayados and Tigres actually is a fun story. I, Pretty much all my college year, or most of my college years, I lived around El Estado Tecnológico, the old, the old Estado Tecnológico. I think it doesn't exist now, but I live like two blocks away, three blocks away. Uh, so I remember, for instance, Saturdays when when Rayados played. You know, they have the fireworks, and you know, oh fireworks, oh Rayados scored. And and uh, I remember one a guy from it was my neighbor. And he was a student at the Tech de Monterrey, and he invited me to go to uh, a soccer game in El Estado Tecnológico. 
and I didn't like it. I didn't felt like I don't I didn't felt any connection with the team. Then it was a preseason game for free at El Volcán. Tigres versus Correcaminos. Man, that's when I that this is my team. You know, this is my in this remember those were the, the the ugly years of Tigres. You know, when Tigres sucks. But I don't know, it was, I don't know, I felt like this connection, again, the, the university connection, the, the and, and, and because you know well that Tigres and Rayados is, is beyond soccer. This is something social in Monterrey. This is about, uh, for instance, in my years, it was Tigres is La Uni, you know, the, 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 the school, you know, the, you know, middle, lower class. And like the Monterrey was, you know, the wealthy guys, the powerful guys. So it was also a little bit of a class class. And uh, it was, it was, it was funny. I, I, I think those, those kind of components started to shape me and then to make me uh, who I am. I, I think it is fun. Probably maybe Dennis told you that my dad was to, he root for another team. He's, I think Chivas, I think I don't remember. But then my my older sister, Dennis' mom, and I went to uh, La U. So that's when I guess the whole family got converted into, into Tigre. That's so awesome that you talk about like, you know, the um, the university being on La Uni being more a middle class or lower class aspect in the Rayados. Because yeah. it, it kind of kind of goes with the, uh, the nowadays representation of the clubs, right? Like, Yep. The Rayados with the wealth of the stadium and the yeah. abonos, abonos being a lot more expensive. Uh, it kind of just kind of goes nowadays of the representation that and it's still the Los Tigres are still the team of the people and of the of the of the city. So uh, I really, yeah. really like that that aspect that you share with us. So I'm going to take you back to the aspect of, you know, you being at the university. And I want to know, you know, me specifically and also educate those who you know, might not be as familiar with the university and how the university pushes the team onto you guys. Maybe the, the word push is not the best way, but how does the university like help a student there become a fan of Tigres? Because I know some people that went to La Uni are fans of Rayados and some people that might have yeah. gone to Tech are fans of Tigres. So talk to me a little bit about how the university may get you involved to falling in love with the team or how it went, went about, you know, you talk about the embodiment of the university. How did that start coming about, you know, while your time was there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember that in those years, the eighties, uh, late eighties, uh, the university was still the hundred percent owner of, uh, the team. Uh, that, for instance, in those years, you remember the old uh, uniforms. They had the, the the some of them. They have the uh, the coat of arms of the university, and then they evolve and they have you know the tigres with the ball and and and, and that evolved, of course. But having, I mean, being able to see your university logo in a in a soccer team and then you you remember those days they have UINL here the, the the in the chest those kind of things were like man that that I don't know that creates a little uh, uh, um, 
a sense of belonging with the, with, with the team. Plus, that complemented perfectly with the uh, football Americano or the football in US team, Auténticos Tigres, because you have Tigres, which is soccer, but then you have Auténticos Tigres, the real Tigers, which is the, 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 the real 100% university uh, team, which is a representative of the players from college players playing, playing football. So th these two things, I think, uh, combine together in us as students to create this um, uh, sense of uh, identity, but also being proud of your university in terms of sports. Uh, and, and then you transmit that into, again, a social, the social fabric of, of Monterrey and, and I guess Northeast Mexico. That's when, when because the university was always, uh, you know, you have uh, uh, advertising about UANL or Universidad Autónoma de Nuevo León, Tigres. So everything was connected. And, and I think, and, and we don't have social media, we don't have those things in those years. So everything was pretty much on uh, newspapers, TV, radio, and, and, and that was also a huge component and, and, and us being able to um, really, I will say embedded into the, 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 the culture of theaters. Absolutely. And so you talked about the preseason game with the Correcaminos. So that might have been your first experience. Besides that, was there a time where you, that you can you know share that it was like, this is where you fell in love with the team or this is what a, you, a team that you wanted to follow that you can share with us? Yeah, no, I, I think that was what that was the moment. I think when I went to the stadium and and I and it's funny, I I remember vividly being uh, because it was a uh, open game free, so it was packed in Volcan. And I remember I was uh, right on top of the Libes y Locos area. The six, they have you know the door the six A's, uh, and I was on on the very very top of the stadium. Uh, which is funny because the last time that I went to the stadium, I was in the same area. And when was that last years. time? When was the last uh, time? It was last year, two years ago. I don't remember. Oh, was, okay. Yeah, so yeah, very yeah, recent. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, recently because I I, I went to uh, Morelia's Tigres. Uh, Morelia doesn't exist anymore, but I, I, I was privileged to watch Carioca and Guignacanota. They scored in, the, in that game. It was 2-1. Morelian, uh, they scored at the very end of the game, but but I was I watched that those monsters. Carioca scored a golazo on that on that uh, yeah on that game. Yeah. Well, he always does yeah. nothing but golazos. The few exactly. that he scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it was it was a, a long kick, like pretty much like the one with the Cruz Azul, something like that. And uh, so, but yeah, but that I was going to say, t talk to me about your first experience at the stadium versus your last experience. You know, at that game. This, tell me a little bit about the stadium. I recently went to the stadium uh, this past Saturday yeah. to the game against San Luis yeah, after uh, 24 years since I hadn't gone back to Mexico. So for me, it was like surreal to experience that. But I want to hear from your perspective from the first preseason game because you talked about it was being packed to this last time that you went when you saw them against Morelia uh, when Carioca and Gignac scored. Did you felt the stadium had changed a little bit? Did you feel like it was the same moment, same vibe, same feelings uh, when you went for the first time 
Oh, of course, of course. The, the, the vibe changed big. again. My first game there, Tigres was uh, one of the worst teams. So it was like, yeah, we were like kind of, uh, you know, uh, everybody makes jokes of us. And I remember, and, 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 and as a fan, were those, those were tough years for us as fans because everybody was making jokes about Tigres and, and especially for instance, in my case that I, uh, my family in those years, my parents live in Durango, which is uh, a little bit down uh, south of, of Monterrey. I remember going back on vacations from college and and uh, talking to friends and say, oh, you're a Tigres fan, right? Yeah, oh, Tigres soccer. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me that. I know that for real. Um, but now going now going uh, after thirty something years, and see what the monster Tigres is. I mean, the same thing. The stadium was the same, of course. Uh, now it's, it's older, uh, and uh, but the the, the I, I would say the passion was the same because it was a preseason game. Tigres one of the was one of the worst teams in the league, but they they were able to pack the stadium and have people rooting for them. Now, thirty something years later, I'm back. Tigres is what Tigres is now, and the same thing. Stadium is back now. There's more uh, uh, somehow organization between more no connection between the the people uh watching the game and the players through you know this this the songs and you know the libres making all these uh, uh porras and those kind of things are, are this is a, 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 of course everything has to evolve right but but i can tell you that the, the, the passion somehow was the same but now is it's it's, uh, it's, it's an evolved path evolved fashion i would say yeah you had the championships and whatnot what do you think that is like you know especially you talk about 30 years later how is Tigres? you know and this is more of a general perspective about things with the team how does the team in your opinion successfully accomplish that obviously the championships helped that but more so the support you know if you know there's you know we're known for good games bad games tough times good times we're always there what do you think that different the things that the team has done from the time that you went the first preseason game to now to uh, successfully accomplish that to get you know have that passion and that passion evolve like you've been talking about? I think uh, well, first of all, uh, the 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 foundation of Tigres the 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 foundation where Tigres was built from the very beginning is the identity of the university so that's a big deal because you have one of the largest uh and i would say more important universities in mexico public universities in mexico that that and 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 again that in the or within the social fabric of monterrey that's a huge thing because again the universe this is a public university where uh for for instance like 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 myself or my, my my sister and myself, we are the first generation of, uh, the, or in, in our families that have the uh, privilege to attend and complete and graduate from a from a university. 
So that creates uh, bonds, not only in, in, in yourself, but also among your family, because it's, uh, for instance, like my, my, like my father uh, says, uh, I mean, I like, I love Tigres, but I love more Lau because Lau is, is, is the place where my children went and got education and, and, and were able to get some, to, to become better person like, like who I am. So in that sense, I think that foundation is crucial for Tigres. Somehow you can relate that probably the only thing that has kind of the same foundation is Pumas because it's a university. However, the difference is Tigres is in Northern Mexico. The culture of work, the culture of resilience, the culture of hard work, the culture of uh, always fighting for whatever you need. Because in Northern Mexico, we always are fighting. We have to fight against the weather, against uh, politics, against uh, you name it. So those kind of things are what shape what Tigres is. Of course, then you have this idea of, okay, let's bring uh, a, a private sponsor or a, a private partner, which is uh, Cemex. And Cemex did the same thing that they do in their own business. Okay, let's, let's create a, a winning team. And they were able to find the right people. But I think uh, the, the other day I was, I was uh, watching uh, an interview with Hugo Sanchez. And, and Hugo Sanchez says that there's, there's five things that uh, define a team. And it's the physical, the technical, the tactical, the strategy, and the psychology. And if you think about that, or you apply those things into Tigres, you will see that perhaps the psychological thing is beyond the other four. Just think about Chivas, the, the, the last final. You were down 0-2, and yeah, we can do that. Think about all the different uh, games, but even go beyond, go... Even when the team went to uh, the, the Segunda, the passion that people like Siboldi says, no, 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 we're staying and we're winning and we're going back. And how they uh, pretty much destroyed the second division and they came back to, to, to first. So those kind of things that that's, that makes Tigres different, I think. And of course, the, 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 the cherry on of the cake is the, the, the connection between the university, the identity of the university and, and, and the team. Again, this is, is, is permeates the social fabric in, in, in Monterrey and beyond. For instance, now people like you, that you are, or me, we are super far from Monterrey, uh, uh, but we still are, have this, this passion for, for the team and we are trying to spread among families and friends and, and why not i love those things that you share those analogies because i was there this weekend and you can smell 
in the city, the work ethic and the hard work that people like yeah. have in the city. So it, it really is amazing. And, you know, to have that, you know, resemble uh, and reflect with the team, you know, talking about the psychological aspect, I think you're, you're par on with that. I think that the team definitely has that. And I actually watched this, that interview too. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about where Hugo Sanchez talks mm -hmm. about that. He has, he's sitting at a round table with Hugo Sanchez, uh, yeah. Sage, Luis Garcia and some yeah. of these other yeah. guys. Yeah. So he shares, um, some of those things that each team should have. Um, I want to move a little bit more towards now the aspect of, you know, where the team is now and how you've experienced that. And, you know, I want to share maybe a favorite moment that you've had with the club over the last recent years. Um, especially after winning so many championships. Well, oh, well, be, before, before going back into, into present time, also I wanted to talk a little bit about something that at least for me had a, a deep impact on, on my, in my relationship with Tigres. Um, I started my career in journalism uh, working uh, for uh, Multimedios. I worked, Whoa. yes. Yeah. So, but I worked for, in those days, now it's Millennium, the newspaper. In those days, it uh, was El Diario de Monterrey. And again, I, I, I by no means an expert in soccer and the technicalities of soccer. So my 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 areas were, uh, especially baseball. I was deep, deep, deep into baseball. Through that, I was able to meet and to work with, with and to learn a lot from one of the legends in, in, in the chronicle of Mexican baseball, Jose Isabel Jimenez, Chabelo Jimenez, an institution who unfortunately already passed. But Chabelo, one day said, you know what, I need I, I need someone to to share the you know the the, the microphones with me in the radio. Uh, he had a very well known uh, radio show. He says, come on, I mean we work for the same company. It's not a big problem. You can come and, and do uh, the problem with me. Yeah, sure. But the thing is that uh, besides of learning a lot from Chabelo, I was able to meet and to see Roberto Hernandez Jr., which that guy transformed the, the whole dynamics of sports in Monterrey. Because remember, before Roberto Hernandez Jr., baseball was the leading thing was the, the leading sport in Monterrey because of Sultanes and a little bit about industriality. But then Roberto Hernandez came and he was able to understand the, to see the future, I think. And he was able to move things around in order to bring soccer into the most popular sport in Monterrey. And also to create that that uh, rivalry between Rayados and Tigre. So I was able to see him and um, many of the guys who are now, you see in the, in, in the I mean, the old guys, uh, I saw them with Willy Gonzalez. Um, I mean, the whole, a lot of the old guys from Multimedios, I, 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 I saw them. And also let me share with you a quick story. Uh, I don't know what happened one day at the at, at, uh, a sports section in, in the El Diario. And uh, they said, you know what? Uh, 
we need you to go to uh, Suasua uh, and, and report on, on Tigres. And I was like, what? I, I, I have no idea about this. Just go and people are gonna, uh, photographers, the photographer is going to help you and blah, blah, blah. And it happened that that day when I went to Suasua, it was the final stage in negotiations between El Abuelo Cruz and a team in Spain. So it was kind of the, the final touches. And I remember because I went to Suasua and you know, like, uh, what am I doing here? Um, of course, I know a little bit of players and so on. And I remember that, okay, I'm going to write about what? Abuelo Cruz. So I went and talked to Abuelo Cruz. I interviewed him and I talked to other people. And, uh, and the next day, it was the, the front cover of the sports section. Oh, tomorrow, oh, uh, uh, still uh, Abuelo undecided if he's going to Spain or something like that. Probably they like it because the next day they said, oh, now you go to El Volcan because they're going to be training there. And I was lucky enough to go and, and, and actually to shoot to one of the uh, goals at the El Volcan. You know, at the end of the training, you go and talk to, you know, interview people and so on. And, and um, I don't remember the name of the guy, but uh, it was one of the directors there over there. You know, administrative thing guys there. So he was like, "Oh, you're new here? Yes, I'm new. I'm I'm, I'm just part. I mean, I'm, I'm not permanent. I'm, I'm just covering something. Blah blah. blah. Oh, that's good. You like soccer? Eh? Okay, try. And he just, you know, she tossed me a ball. Said, "Yeah, okay, score." And I was like, okay. Uh, of course, I failed, but it was a good experience to be in the center of El Volcan and to look around and say, wow, this, this should be amazing to play this in this place with, when it's full and it's people rooting for you. So that that, that was my brief experience uh, reporting on, on, on soccer and Tigres particularly. Uh, and, and, and to also to understand the, the power of, of Roberto Hernandez Jr. Okay, now let's go back to your question. Now, Hold on. now, now I have a question about that. Uh, since you were talking about that, I'm okay, really curious ahead. about that. Yeah. So you said it was briefly that you were able to cover the team. Is that something that because yeah. you had no interest, or you were they just moved you? They just needed you to fill in. Like, well, how come they did? Yeah, it was more like filling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was like a filling. I think uh, the El Diario in those years they had a, a very very competitive. Of course, soccer is the most important thing. So they need the best people to to, to compete versus El Norte, particular. Uh, so I, I don't know what happened, but I have to fill in those two days. And so uh, you, they never asked me, do, do you want to go back or no? I, I went back to baseball. So you talk about Roberto Hernandez Jr. And so maybe, you know, some people that have listened to this pod, but more so you know, in the, you know, that may be on the social media aspect, like, you know, Twitter called X now, um, may as not be as familiar with Roberto Hernandez Jr. Can you talk about, obviously you, you mentioned that he saw the future, but you know, now we're seeing the fruits of that and, you know, how yeah. dominant, you know, the city or the state of Nuevo Leon is with the two soccer teams. Um, what do you think was his mate, you know, 
besides creating the rivalry between the team, what do you think was his greatest contribution? And, you know, obviously he passed away, so we wouldn't, he missed out on a, still a lot of good years of Tigres and, and, you know, rest in peace. He would yeah. still be happy. What do you think was his major contribution for those that uh, may not as be familiar with the name um, besides uh, creating that sort of rivalry that you talked about? Especially well, coming from a, a journalist super... perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, again, uh, from what I saw, he was super intense, extremely intense. It, it was he was a tough boss at at the radio station. He was tough. I I saw I saw how he was. Uh, he talked to you know the people around him about things, and he was like he was very demanding, very very demanding. Uh, he was. Uh, super smart i think he was smart in a way that uh, again he foresaw the future and said this is going to be one of the greatest things uh i remember roberto hernandez he had the original show was called football al dia and it was at noon when roberto hernandez was in football al dia i remember you can walk in monterrey you can walk the whole block and you can keep listening to the show as you move across the street. That was the power of Roberto Hernandez. And when Roberto Roberto Hernandez Jr., it was Football Al Dia, I would say 95% of Monterrey was watching. And, and 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 again, I mean, I remember those years. I mean, you walk and and of course as a student you know, going back to school or doing something, whatever. You walk in, in it, it doesn't matter, downtown Monterrey, uh, uh, I don't know, you name it, whatever, uh, Barrio Antiguo, you can walk to Aloispado, you can walk, whatever neighborhood. You just walk and you listen. From house to house, you can keep listening football al dia. I was going to say- It was that- uh, I was going to say so much power that it made me remember when I was a kid. Um, it was almost like Saturday because it came on at 2 p.m. And if, you know, for those that, you know, because which it was strange because I went to this past game against San Luis and they played at 5 p.m. for the very first yeah. time in a very, very, very long yeah. time because that was the original time that they used mm-hmm. to play back yeah. in the day. And, you know, obviously I think it has to do more with like TV rights and the networks and yeah. that, that's, you know, yeah. the, being showcased at 7 p.m. But Tigres was a five o'clock game, you know, in the 90s and, you know, the early 2000s. And so you could, you know, you could watch Fútbol Al Día from 2 p.m. I think it went all the way to 4 p.m. And then, you, you know, you could continue to you, you would leave your house at 3 p.m. You continue to listen to the show as you were making your way to the stadium. So it was just yeah. It was a great way to start your Saturday of soccer with Don Roberto yeah. Hernandez Jr. and Fútbol Al Día. Yeah. So I'm yeah. glad. You- Actually, yeah, in those days, it was, uh, from a journalist perspective, uh, I will say it was something admirable as a journalist that you can see in the stadium 80, 90% of the people in the stadium with uh, headphones or with those tiny radios because they were at the stadium but they still listen Roberto Hernandez you know 
the broadcast by Roberto Hernandez, as they, they, I mean, you don't need to listen to the radio or whatever if you're there, but these people still want to hear what Roberto Hernandez has to say. So again, from, from a journalistic perspective, I said, oh, wow, this, this, this is a huge deal as a journalist. Uh, of course, some things not the greatest. That, that, that's, I mean, we're humans and, and, and we, are, we all have uh, flaws. But uh, again, as a, as a phenomenon, and actually, you know what? I think Roberto Hernandez understood that, that foundation that I told you before. The foundation of the public university, the foundation of the uh, class uh, sense of belonging to the university and the connection with the team. And he also exploded. I remember quite frequently with this, oh, yeah, this guy is the rich of the rayados. Yeah, the rich of the tech. Oh, yeah, the, the hardworking people from Monterrey, from Tigres. Yes, you know, we have the hard, the, the you know, the people from the works in, 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 in factories and uh, you know, masons and uh, those are the people from Tigres. He, he was able to, he, he, he elaborated that and he contributed a lot to that. And, and, and I get, I think that's, that's why, I don't think there's gonna be a, another Roberto Hernandez. There's a couple of guys, eh, but no, no. The, eh, because again, he, he was able to understand that foundation. He was able to understand the social fabric of, of Monterrey. And he was able to connect or to uh, explode in a good way the connection between the public university, the social working class, and the, and the team in the middle. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing all that. Now taking it back to actually the present time or more so a personal uh, liking, who has been your, you know, throughout this time that you've watched the team, who has been your idol or somebody that your favorite player since you've started watching Tigres? Uh, uh, well, of course you have Gignac, Nahuel, uh, Carioca. I mean, the, 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 the current team or the current generation. But I, I remember because for because of my work I I I, I was away from uh, I, I moved from Monterrey uh, after I uh, finished my my school I moved to Juarez Ciudad Juarez Chihuahua and then I lost kind I lost kind of a little bit of touch with with uh, uh, with the with the team and uh, when I when I moved back again because I was in Chihuahua, then I moved back to Juarez in 2004 because I started to work for El Norte as a correspondent in Ciudad Juarez. And I remember in those years, Multimedios, uh, they were, uh, that's when Multimedios began to kind of expand. And, and Juarez, one of the, one of the places where, where they expanded through uh, cable. So I remember that one day I was, you know, looking, announcing the channels for for uh, the news, and then suddenly I saw Roberto Hernandez uh, on TV, and I remember vividly because I was surprised. Oh, Roberto Hernandez! Oh, 
Now I can watch Football Al Dia here. Now I can watch Monterrey, know, you know, the TV for Monterrey. That that's that's great. But 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 furthermore, I remember that day because that day he said, Oh, we have news from Spain. Let me show you some clips of the the new player uh for Tigres. He this is a guy who is this, that, and that, and let me show it to you. His name is Lucas Lopez. And that's when he started to show some clips from Lucas Lopez. Go, oh, this guy is good. And he started to talk about, oh, Lucas Lopez, Lucas Lopez. Oh, amazing. And, and, and again, that was my, my reconnection with Tigres, Monterrey, the soccer world. And then from that day, I started to follow. Uh, of course, I watch as much as I can. Uh, Football al dia, and, and I reconnected with the team. Uh, so I will say from Luca Lobos to now, the present time, uh, there's a bunch of very good players. Uh, of course, we have, uh, this is the way that I see, we have, uh, there's there's good players, there's uh, top players, and then we have legends. And I would say legends is Boy, Barbadillo, Patucleti, Gignac, Nahuel, uh, Aquino, uh, Lobos. Actually, now that I was now I'm remembering something, um, in one of uh, the, the in one summer uh, we were able to go to Monterrey to visit the family, and uh, I took my my children to uh, Plaza Sesame. I, I think it doesn't exist anymore, plus I some more of the amusement park. And we found uh, uh, El Diablo Nunez. He was still, uh, he was a player there and he was with his, his family here, there. And I remember that I asked him for a photo with my with my kids. And my kids were like, who is this guy? Just, just stay there, just stay there. Let me take a photo with this man, great player. Uh, but again, I mean, there's there's uh, legends, and, and we have. Uh, I I think those were my my what I consider legends, and and uh, but of course now is Gignac and Nahuel because of all the things that they have, and Aquino too, for the things that they have done for for the team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you named players that changed the legacy of the of the team. So, and I think that's what. Obviously, it's important, you know, to have those type of players and continue to find those players where they're, you know, your Barbadillos, your boys, your Batacletis to now the current generation. Yeah. Um, talk to me about your favorite moment as a Tigres fan. You've talked about a lot of cool things, you know, especially with the journalism side, attending the school. But as an actual fan, what has been your um, favorite moment with the team? Uh my favorite moment with the team, La Final del PBVA, December 17th. <laughs> that's that's the funny, 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 funny. Yeah, fun story. Um, I'm, I'm really, because of uh, some uh, religious commitments that I have, I usually on Sundays, I'm very busy. And uh, that particular Sunday, I was super busy 
and I was extremely nervous. And I remember I said, you know what? I'm, I don't want to know anything. I don't want to get nervous. I'm just going to bed and let's see what happens. And of course, and, and also because, you know, the, the, the time zone differences, it's two hours. Later. So I remember I was on my way to bed and then I have uh, an alert on my phone from a, a newspaper in Mexico. And there's so, the, just one line. Tigres es el campeón del norte. Tigres es el champion. Oh, yes, we did it. Especially, especially because, uh, and actually I wrote, uh, because I, I have a column in, in, in Hora Cero, a, a, a digital newspaper in, in Mexico, in Monterrey and Tamaulipas, in Valle de Texas. Um, I write a column there. And one of the columns that I wrote was uh, the, my, my, not my, the, the three moments where Tigres lost the opportunity to become a legendary team. Uh, and, and I think one was the, the to, to repeat, to be back to back when Chivas. The second one was Libertadores. That, that, that's, that has been the saddest moment in my life as a Tigres fan. I was insanely excited about Copa Libertadores. It's crazy because everybody who has followed the team, like from the beginning till now, like that's always the very moment that they talked about. Like, I wish we could have gotten that because, you know, yeah. it, what it represents historically for being, you know, one of the oldest tournaments in the world of being like Copa Libertadores and the prestige of going with that. So that's on par with what you're saying. What was the last one that you wrote about? And the last one was when they lost, I think, with, I think it was with Atlas. And they lost and then at the end, they, Herrera do, did something wrong that he sent another player and I think that was the the the, the last one, the lineup but, fiasco. Yeah, the yeah, the lineup. lineup fiasco. Yeah, exactly. That was that was the one. Uh, but yeah, but my happiest moment, of course, uh, the final against Rayados. You know, beating uh, beating Rayados at home, it was amazing, and 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 perhaps the second one was. The game, the semifinal against the Palmeiras. Yeah. In the World Cup. Yeah. Those, those two, those two. I, I knew there's gonna be really, really hard to 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 defeat uh Bayern. But uh but it was it was okay. I mean, uh it's okay. We're we're doing we're doing the right things. We're the first Mexican team to advance and to play. I mean, the first CONCACAF team to play finals in a World Cup. And at that point, it's like so, you got there, so anything can happen. You know what I mean? Like we could have lost exactly six to zero or one one zero. Yeah, or, or or exactly, exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, but does it matter? To me, to me, no. to me, the biggest thing that we got out of that, and obviously, was the historical aspect of getting there, but in our mm -hmm. region but to me is like 
the recognition and the brand growth that the team had there, you know, yeah. being a team from the CONCACAF region, which had never done before a Mexican team to even be more exact mm-hmm. and then have players of the caliber of at the time. Now, had been to the world cup. Uh, Pizarro was a national team player in the past. Gignac being Gignac a French, was considered. Yeah. French national player. And people knew about him, you know, Bayern Munich had the, another French player, uh, Lucas Hernandez, who played on the French national team with him. Um, so I think that the name recognition and the respect that Tigres got that day by playing in the final, to me, was the biggest thing in the, or the biggest takeaway besides just playing yeah. the final. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and, and of course, there's going to be haters that are going to say, ah, you're trying to say that too uh, uh, because you failed and blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, let's talk about that when your team plays the final of the of the champion. Okay, let let once your play once once your team is there, we can have this conversation. But before that, I I don't think there's 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 a, no, there's no reason to engage with kind those kind of people, right? I want to touch up on a couple last things before we close yeah. out. And one of the things being you know especially being a student at the university. And having been a fan for quite a bit now, what is your uh, opinion on the new stadium versus keeping the stadium? Well, I wrote also on Oracero about it, a very critical uh, um, column against the governor of the, of Nuevo Leon, because for me it was only politics and you know populism. Uh, the idea of rebuilding the stadium or building a new stadium next to the the volcano is amazing because this is the university. This is Universidad Autónoma. So I think that's the best place to rebuild or uh, build a new a new stadium. Now the plan at least the idea was good to have a mixed use stadium with classrooms and you know all the things beautiful things that they uh, expose when they uh, introduce the the project it's okay it's beautiful blah 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 yeah but at the end for me it's populism because now we have the governor in 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 a couple of weeks he's going to uh look for the uh to be the, the the candidate for Movimiento Ciudadano, so bye bye project. I think uh, the politics—it's it, it's really unfortunate that the politics uh, of Samuel Garcia uh, seduce Cemex and the university, and they uh, play the game that Samuel wants to play. I wish and I, I and I hope that in my timeline, in my lifetime, I will I, I will I, I will be able to see a new stadium, uh, a modern stadium because I've been I I went to uh, the stadium of Rayados uh, when the the uh, Concacaf Women's uh, tournament was played there, uh, and it's a beautiful stadium, hot, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful, uh, and I think the we the fans of Tigres we deserve a first 
class or a world class state. Uh, but that again, it's uh, it's uh, it, 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 I don't know. I I think a couple of things need to happen in order to to do that. But I I my hope is that the project. I don't know if this project or a new project continues, but uh, but I think something that I wouldn't be if I have the, the the power to decide. I one of the things that I will not negotiate was the location of the state. Is either you rebuild you or you re, you you know renew the stadium, do something like uh, Real Madrid, you know they 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 uh, upgraded the stadium or build the next one uh, just on the side and then you uh, demolish this. But that that's that would fit for me. Because again, the identity, the social fabric, the, the foundation is, is extremely important. Got it. Um, on to the next uh, quick fire question. What is your favorite jersey that you've seen Tigres wear? Ah, that's a tough one. I I liked the well as an as an as an old school guy. I love the ones who had the YNL here. I'm more like uh, a very minimalistic guy, so I don't like the, those. For instance, in the old days, for instance, uh, El Pastor Lozano, those were like stripes here, and and like uh, I, I don't like those kind of things. Um, I'm more like, uh, for instance, the, the the current one, the blue one, simple, elegant. I like it. The one that they use in the uh, in the Mundial de Clubes with the U, beautiful. Uh, which ones? Well, I well, yeah, and and for me, it's uh, again identity. Is either YNL or Tigres here, not Cemex, nor not Bitcoin, no, 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 has to be, because this is this is something that uh, uh, it, it has uh, deep roots in, in in the fan base, at least the old the old uh, school fan base like myself. Uh, but yeah, it's it's again, I'm I'm, I'm very, I like uh, simple minimalistic. Not with a lot of you know weird uh, things. I think uh, I, I think, that, I think yeah, that, yeah. Cl the Club World Cup one is super clean, so it makes sense that you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Or the this the well, it's not a jersey, but the, the last one that they they the retro. They, oh. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. I wish I can have one, but yeah. they sold out super quick, and it's hard to bring things to Canada. So I bet. Yeah. Um. I guess two more last two things. Yeah. Um, what is what do you think is the next step for Tigres as a team to evolve um to the next level? I think the first one is to get the 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 back to back championships. There's only three teams. I think it's Leon, Atlas, and Pumas. So in order to to move to evolve is to get the, the that because it's 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 important because of three things one is uh consolidates your uh, reputation second uh 
gives you it, it, it moves you closer to the to to win a, a ten championship because it will be the ninth. So that would be one away from ten. And I think if you are one of the ones who has ten championships, it's, it's it, that doesn't that kills every debate about who is the greatest and blah blah, or who are the greatest. But the most important thing is because that will provide a beautiful last dance for the 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 the, the, the core of the team. Can you imagine Gignac, Nahuel, Pizarro, Aquino, Carioca winning back-to-back uh, -back championships? That would be amazing because the next season, maybe Gignac can play only halftime. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of puts, it kind of cements their careers into like the greatest of the league history because then... exactly. It kills, like you say, a lot of conversation. It puts Gignac above a lot of rest for having a back-to-back. -back. Pizarro and Carioca for being, as, as well as Nahuel, considered one of the best goalkeepers in Liga MX history now. And then you add Carioca and Pizarro, who are going to be considered probably some of the best foreign players to ever come play. And then Aquino, yeah. one of the greatest Mexican players to play in the league with so many championships and minutes and accolades. So it definitely would take their career even to another level if they were to yes. get that back-to-back. -back. Exactly. And, and, and But again, it's also these, uh, you know, like you said, cementing that, but also is evolving into the new generation of Tigres. Cordoba, Laines, Marcelo, Pisuto, uh, Angulo, uh, Loroña, whoever decides to stay or to leave, Nico, same, uh, or or uh, Ociel Herrera. So those young players, can you imagine? Okay, we they won, they won, they play and they won twice with with the legends, and it's a it will be a poetic way to release to to change the baton. They said, you know what? They're now okay, we put you here. Now it's your time to keep uh, moving forward. So that I think that that's going to be uh, that would be the in short term the, the the next thing to do. Then after that, well, you have to prepare. You have to prepare when when Nahuel and Gignac and Carioca and Guido are going to play uh, less minutes or are going to. Uh, Ending their careers, uh, and that's that's the, ch the the challenge is how can you possibly where can you possibly find not the player because you can bring amazing players where you can bring the mystique that these players have these players develop with Tigres because again you have. Gignac, a guy from France who came to Mexico and he fell in love with Tigre. And he became a Tigre, an ambassador, uh, uh, and the best player. Now, well, uh, 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 Pizarro, he went to Spain and he came back and he was crying when he lived, when he left to Spain and he came back and, and he played him better. 
uh, Aquino, a guy who was, oh yeah, this guy, blah, blah, blah. Diego Lainez, Marcelo. So you need to, to find the right people to develop that, 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 that perfil tigre. Rafael Sobis, for instance, he was like an amazing guy with a perfil tigre. Juninho, La Palmera Rivas, Uguayala, Torres Nilo. So those are, how can, what are you going to do to find those players and bring in, uh, bring in into the team uh, and, and, and show them, this is Tigres, do you have the profile? Go ahead, my friend. And, yeah, and I and, think that back-to-back -back would help a lot. So then you yeah. continue to bring yeah. players to ride the wave of like the current success as we continue with the young players. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 that, for instance, if you move into the the female team, that I think that's something that is lacking now. They they are they brought good players, but th those players are not necessarily really Pretty understanding mean. what yeah. play playing with Tigres means. Uh, but that that the female team is a whole conversation. Awesome, awesome. And then last thing to to finish off this uh, conversation, are you uh are you prepared to give me your starting all time Tigres eleven? Oof. I I will say at this point, I think it's very. It's easy, and it's it's very well known. I would say, you know, you have Nahuel, Juninho, Barbadillo. Uh, Patocletti, Boy, uh, Gignac, I would say Lucas Lobos. And three more. Uh, uh, Aquino, uh, uh, El Diablo Núñez. Uh, the last one would be. Hmm. Who could be? You probably you would probably need another defender or another defensive mid with all those attackers. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, probably would be uh, defender, probably defender. Could uh, be. La Palmera, maybe. Palmera Rivas. Again, because of the, 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 the passion. Yeah. Yeah, the passion. I, I will say that, that, that those would be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, it's, it's, I, 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 that's one of the beauties of Tigres that you don't need to scratch a lot to find the, uh, a historic 11 because you have so many players uh, through the years that you can easily pick. Yeah. It just it becomes a taste in what type of players you like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, all the knowledge, all the information. It was a really cool to hear uh, your perspective about things, especially going to the university, uh, being a journalist and obviously sharing, uh, you know, through your writing and still being able to be a part of the team from a distance in Toronto. Um, anything you want to end uh, the pod episode with? Well, uh, I, I guess the, the, the only thing that I that we didn't touch uh, a lot about was uh, how to how to keep uh, uh, a healthy distance between the fan 
and the journalist. And I think that's something that now is is something that the media is lacking of. I mean, you can you you are I I mean when I talk to students, uh, journalism students, I said, uh, uh, being objective, it, it's a lie, because nobody is objective. Why? For instance, how what's the temperature now in in, in where you are in Houston? About seventy-five degrees. Seventy-five degrees, which is how uh, in Celsius. It's you know like that? twenty something, twenty. I should know this. I was in Monterrey, and yeah. Let's see. It is twenty-four. Twenty-four. Why are you wearing a, a hoodie? <laughs> are you cold? Not at all. Okay. The temperature in Toronto is in Celsius. Uh, it feels like minus three Celsius. And I'm not, um, so for me, it's so who's who's right, who's wrong? That's my right. point. Yeah. So it's the same with soccer, with with especially with everything that moves your emotions, politics, religion, sports, sports. And so in the in this in this particular case, it's it's hard. It could be hard if you don't if you don't focus and you don't. Uh, understand who you are. You are a fan, but you are also a journalist. And I think for me, my higher responsibility is as a journalist. And that's where Which the me media Monterrey se quedaron atrás. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, that this is how Oracero brought me in because they wanted to create a uh, uh, a section, an opinion section with people who doesn't like what the Monterrey is called chicharrón, you know, the, the gossip. Chicharronero. Exactly. <laughs> they said, we don't want chicharrón. We want people who write and, 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 and try to be as professional as possible. And um, so if if you go through my read, I, I, I write about Tigres, but I I try, I, I, I guess I've been avoiding writing about Tigres more and more. And not because I don't want to write about it. No, I can write and I can criticize or I can, you know, celebrate. But I think that beyond my passion for Tigres is also my responsibility as a journalist. And we are living in such problematic times in terms of uh, these... Uh, you know, for instance, social media, it's its its a jungle. And uh, I, I, I think if you are not going to do something for the greater good, well, don't do it. So in my case, as a journalist, I'm trying to, uh, to not balance because it has to be an unbalance because the, 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 the heaviest part is my, my, my responsibilities as a journalist. Of course, if Tigres wins, well, if Tigres wins, and I have to write about Tigres winning, blah blah. blah. Or if Tigres Tigres uh, lose in a like a, the the lineup fiasco, well, you have to criticize those things. But but I've been trying to write more about uh, soccer as a social phenomenon rather than oh, it's Tigres is my team, ah, ha ha ha, blah blah blah. No, I, I'm trying to do that. And uh, and I wish uh, 
the media in Monterrey will be able to, to evolve and to be more mature. I think the, the level of the, the teams in Monterrey is here and the levels of the media in Monterrey is here. They need to evolve uh, to be able to be equal with uh, the level and the, the, the the, the power and the influence and the and the and the quality that the, both Tigres and Monterrey uh, have, and unfortunately, I don't see that in, in in the media in Monterrey. And that's of course kind of a, a heritage of Roberto Hernandez Jr. But again, Roberto Hernandez Jr. spoke about those things and he did things the way that he did it because both Tigres and Rayados were, you know, were kind of a the jokers in in the league. So, it's yeah. like he did his part because the team wasn't as, the the teams weren't as respected sport wise to like be there. Exactly. But now, but now that the teams have done their part to evolve and grow, you know, with championships and economically and everything else that they have grown in the last fifteen or, or so years. It, you would think that the media would also grow with them. And instead they got stuck in that same Excellent. concept, but that concept, you know, that bus has long been gone because the team is not there. Like you don't have to sell the team in that aspect of like, you know, try to convince the fan that, you know, find a chicharron to be the most interesting part. Like Excellent. now it's, it's about actually criticizing the team in a constructive way in, a, in an analytical way to figure out, what's the great things that they're doing versus the bad things, but instead they just lean towards the bad things and the unimportant bad things that exactly people yeah. may like, but you know, I think that for most people nowadays, they, they want something better. And I think the city and more so the state of New Orleans deserves better journalism when it comes to uh, the two teams. For sure. And, and it's, it's really sad for me as a person who went to the school of journalism there, who work as a journalism there, who, is, I mean, who work for the two most important media, El Diario de Monterrey or Multimedios and El Norte de Monterrey. So seeing, seeing how after 30 something years, uh, nothing has changed. Uh, I will say it's, it's at some point it has been worse. Uh, and, uh, and, and the consequences of that also among the, the people that just think uh, or, or See what happened in Copa Libertadores. See how the Boca guys, uh, there's, there's a very uh, uh, viral interview with that, with, with that teenager. He says, ah, my dad holds his bike and I sold my play, but I don't have any ticket, but it's Boca. Ah. No, 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 no. I don't think Roberto Hernandez Jr. wanted that for Mexico or for Monterrey, and he did it. He succeeded at some point because both teams needed that respect. They needed that fan base. But now we are well beyond that, my friend. Tigres and Rayados, female and male, are way beyond that. And we have to start to think in a different way how we do journalism. Uh, and, and as you said, we have to be critical, we have to be analytical, and we have to Something that we also need to do is start is, is stop uh, putting attention to the media in Ciudad de Mexico. 
they like to engage in these uh, futile conversations about, oh, uh, Cuatro Grandes, oh, Tigres Enrayados, they don't care, nobody, Vion Gonzalitos, blah, 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 blah. I don't care about that. I don't really care what the Mexican, city of Mexico is. Actually, they are blindsided and they are, have in the Mexico, in Mexico City, they have been unable to see things like this. Two guys speaking about Tigres in English, in Canada and in the US. So that, this is the thing, this is the future. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think they have seen that uh, yet. And that's why they they what they use the engagement and like those conversations about the cuatro grandes is because they're trying to play catch up without a true vision. Exactly, exactly. And unfortunately, because media in Monterrey is so stuck in the past, they haven't been able also to to you know evolve and bring this conversation to the level which uh, it is now. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Like again, like. Everything you touched on, uh, super cool topic, super cool insight of the team, and mostly, you know, the insight that you gave us about journalism and your perspective about some of the things. Uh, really, really looking forward to uh, connecting more with you in the future. Yeah. And so, uh, want to share maybe you know where we can find you, where we can do your reading, find your columns and social media. Yeah. Well, my I'm an ex. Uh, on X, I am. It's uh, Najera, like my last name, Najera H, thirteen or na no Najera thirteen, Najera one three. Uh, that's that's uh, the, the number that I wore when I played uh, basketball. Uh, and uh, and uh, Ora Cero, Ora Cero, uh, I think it's dot com dot mx. It's it's a digital newspaper who has uh, they have printed editions in uh, Reynosa. Laredo and Monterrey, and I, from what I know, they have a, a, a strong uh, fan base uh, in the Valley, in El Valle, Texas. Uh, so they, I usually write a, a, a weekly columns, sometimes politics, sometimes sports, uh, and then just uh, yeah, me, my the column is called uh, "Es mi opinión." That this is how you can find me there, uh, and yeah, more than happy to continue this conversation about our. Uh, wonderful passion which is theater. amazing well for those out there you got it make sure you give them a follow the newest addition to the uh, Tigres English community on the La U Times podcast um, as far as us you can find us on La underscore U La underscore Times on X and La period U period Times on Instagram. Make sure you give us a follow, give us some feedback. And if you'd like to be on the episode, obviously send us a message and we'll get you on. Thank you everybody for tuning in. And thank you, Mr. Horacio Najera for joining us and taking time out of your day. Uh, really, really appreciate your conversation. Yeah, pleasure. See ya, everybody.